If you've ever questioned whether it really matters what kind of example you're setting for those around you, this episode will answer that for you. Because my guest today shares an amazing story about his dad, super practical tips for showing up as an amazing dad, husband, and employee, and how the growth he witnessed led to the amazing growth he is experiencing. Not only are you going to love learning from Fenric James, you are going to love listening to his amazing voice. And you'll be so glad you carved out time for today's amazing episode. And yes, I am overusing amazing because it truly fits. Hey, I'm Amy Barge, your personal growth environment specialist. And my passion is to help you Go from living by default, doing without thinking, to living by design, by growing on purpose. Now, if you're wondering, okay, what does that look like really? I'm here to be your tour guide because as someone who has survived the three big D's, death of my parents, a painful divorce, and being downsized from two different jobs, I've discovered some insanely practical tips that have helped to keep the gremlin of fear and doubt from taking up rental space on my mental couch. I don't know the exact words your gremlin may be telling you, but I do know this. You're smarter than you think and you're more resilient than you know. And you're absolutely in the right place if you're ready to give your mindset muscles a workout and get growing. Welcome to the Growing with Amy podcast. Benrick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Amy. This is a legitimate honor and a privilege to be on this podcast. I've listened to the podcast. I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. This is an absolute honor and a privilege to be on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for saying that. Well, it is my, my honor and privilege to have you here. Actually, for a couple of reasons. Um, I was thinking about this. One of them is that this is one of those totally unexpected things that happens when you start to focus on your personal growth. And I say that because we met several years ago at a work event that I was attending with Sam. Right. Yeah. So remember that day. And we had no idea that we would end up here on a podcast together. I mean, it's crazy to think (laughs) about that. So some of that is because. I said yes to different things in my life, and you said yes <laughs> to do this. <laughs> so the other thing that I think is um, something I just want to put out there, you're my first time ever male podcast guest, because up until okay. now, I've only interviewed women. So That's exciting. Yes, no pressure. Be great. Yes. <laughs> so you get to you get to kick it off for all of the males out there and tell us about your personal growth story. And so, but before we go there, I just want to get people give people an opportunity to get to know a little bit about you. So just tell us who's Fenric. Oh, uh, great question, Amy. So I, I always have to start my origin story in the Bahamas. I uh-huh. was born and raised in the beautiful islands of the Bahamas, where there's sun, sand, and sea. And the motto growing up was always, it's better in the Bahamas. So uh, that, that's, that's my origin story. Um, my mother and father, uh, my, my father was in the military in the Bahamas. My mother was a teacher. Um, and I'm the youngest of four. Uh, so I'm the baby in the, in the clan. 
but we always had a really good community. I mean, living on an island, you have to, you have to know people, you have to interact with people, and your word is, is important, your, your reputation important, because it's an island. You're going to see that person multiple times. So uh, I was always taught the importance of relationships, importance of community, importance of collaboration, because that island feel is, is important. Uh, right now, I live in Indianapolis on the south side of Indy. Um, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Catherine, and we have two children, Daniel, who's nine years old, and Lydia, who's four, but she'll be five in a week. Important uh, so, detail. Exactly. She'll be five, so she's excited. Um, and we have a good system, you know, around us, friends, family. Um, yeah, but that's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. So I knew that you lived somewhere else, but I had forgotten yep. that you were from the Bahamas and that just that idea of when you're on an island, yeah, you better be nice to people because everybody's going to end up running into they, you. Always, always. Yeah. We have this thing called, um, so we have the main island of Nassau, the New Providence, and then we have what they call family islands. And they call it family islands because a lot of your family lives there. And and whenever you go to family island, you know, it's about, you know, connecting. The island that I went to when I was growing up was called Andros. My mother's family was huge and all of the family members were there. So I would go there and it would just be this community of like, whatever you need, you know, we're family, you know, we'll take care of you. So um, I always enjoyed, even though I was considered a city boy because I lived in Nassau, which is kind of funny. Uh, when I go to islands, they'd be like, oh, you're a city boy. You don't know how to do, you know, coconuts so you don't know how to do this and that I'll, I'll handle it for you but even when i went back home in november i went to andros and i haven't been there in probably about four or five years and my uncles my aunts they were like yeah whatever you need and it was so cool going back to reputation my mother grew up on that island and she has such a great reputation that everyone who saw me was like oh you're louise's son right and they were just like okay whatever you need i, I got you so I was able to get all these doors open to me for like things I needed, you know, questions I had about different things, just because my mother had that reputation. And so they were like, oh yeah, whatever you need. They looked at me and they was like, you got whatever you need because we love your mother. She's always been a part of us. So it was like an open door policy, which was, was pretty awesome. That is beautiful. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, wow, imagine if people here, if everybody could live that way, like, oh, yeah, yeah. what would that be? <laughs> Oh my gosh. So how would you describe the beginning of your personal growth journey? Like what made you start paying attention to it? I have to give credit to my father, Peterson, uh, Dexter James Sr. So um, I think me and my father are similar because I consider myself a dreamer. I consider him a dreamer. And all of my life, he always would kind of cast out a dream of what he wanted to do. And as children, we would watch him kind of execute it. So, for example, for one reason or the, or the next, he decided he wanted to learn how to ride a unicycle. And so we were like, a unicycle? Why? And so he would, um, so going back to, you know, he works in, it's called the Royal Bahamas Defense Force in the Bahamas, and he was a force chief petty officer. So he actually was the one that was training the, the seamen and the soldiers. And so he would run to work, which was probably maybe five miles each way. And he had this reputation of being a really tough guy, a really disciplined man, because that was his role. He was training them. Right. And so he wanted to one-up himself. And I think that's where the personal growth came in. He's like, I'm going to ride a unicycle to work. 
And so I remember him learning how to ride using cycle, falling off, doing this, doing that. But he learned it, and he literally would ride his unicycle those five miles one way and five miles back every day for years. And I was just like, why? Like, I mean, it was, but it was always about growth for him. And then he had this concept of like, I'm going to reamend myself every couple of years. So he went from after he retired, he was like, I want to learn how to do carpentry. You know, Jesus was a carpenter. I want to be a carpenter. He learned that process and then did it really well. And then he said, I want to be a motivational speaker. And then he did that. And then he's like, I want to be a beekeeper. And then he did that. And he just always had this growth mindset. He was not afraid to go from, you know, that, that confident level to going back to unaware and literally starting from scratch and building himself back up. And so I think, I know, just watching my father do that multiple times, multiple times, and always not being afraid to start over and reinvent himself was something that made me say, huh. That, that makes sense to me, you know, like life's all about change and growth and, and perspective. And if he can do it, you know, and he's one of the most disciplined men and most, you know, focused men that I know, like I could try some of that. So I think that's, that's all my father. He was always about personal growth. What an incredible story. And I'm like, so you're thinking, oh my gosh, just say, I'm going to reinvent myself every few years. And then, yeah. and then you watched him do it. I watched him do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Other people in your family, were they like that too? Uh, I think, I think all of my siblings have a little bit of that bug. I mean, my brother was an entrepreneur. My sister was an education. My, my other sister is, uh, my, my other sister lives in Illinois now. So me and my sister, I live in Indiana. She lives in Illinois. And then the rest of my family and siblings live in the Bahamas. The, always wanted to do something in the medical field. And so the joke was always, she was always in school doing something. First it was a nurse, then it was a nurse practitioner, then it was a naturopathic um, person. And like she just kept growing and growing and now she owns her own business in Illinois. And I think we all kind of learned from that. Even my mother, I mean, my mother taught me when I was in preschool and then she you know, sing for a little bit. Um, she's always been doing things. So I think, I, I think I was in a uh, an incubation in our family where we weren't afraid to kind of do things and try things because I think we saw our parents do it. We saw um, other people in our family. So yeah, I think we all kind of had a little bit of that bug where we just were like, yeah, we can we can try this. We could do it. Wow, I incredible and. Again, I'm sitting here thinking, what if every family lived that way and kids saw their parents not afraid to try something new, just start over, to say, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but yeah, I'm going to figure it out. I, it's funny you said it because with my children, I've called this summer the sum of independence. So I, I am doing everything I can to help them grow. Um, so my son was like, you know, I want to try baseball. And I was like, baseball for real? Like, all right, you're tall. So basketball is the one sport I would love to put him in. Like, that's my, I have dreams of him being the next LeBron James because we have the same last name. He's Daniel James. I'm like, he could be the next LeBron James. That's my goal. That's maybe not his. Right. But he said he want to play baseball. So I'm like, all right, true to my word, this is a sum of independence. I'm going to do everything I can to get you in baseball. And so it just so happened, I talked to a friend of mine, Ryan, 
And he was like, yeah, why don't you join my team, you know, at our church, little rec league. And so in my head, I'm like, all right, we'll do it. He won't like it. He'll move on. I said I did it great. But he, the dude did really well. Like, he went out there and hit the ball. He caught the ball. I'm like, really? You know, like, okay, some of independence. And then my daughter, she's very creative. Uh, her happy place is literally she will come home every day. She will get a piece of paper and she'll just draw and draw and draw and color and color. And, and it's funny because both my children have this tell. And I, I'm, a, I'm a big student of my children. Uh, I study them. When they're content and they're very most content, they act. They would actually hum when they're happy and content. So my daughter will be drawing something. She'll just like, <laughs> she'll just start humming. And my son does the same thing. He's, if he's content, he's playing with trains or doing something. He'll just, <laughs> he'll just hum. And I notice that that's when they're very content. They don't need anything. They're happy. You can give them the biggest Oreo cookie, and they're like, I don't want that. They're just content. They're in that moment. And so she loves to draw. So we were like, all right, let's put her in an art camp. And we got her in an art camp, and then she loves to dance. Anytime music comes on, for some reason, she starts breakdancing, which I don't know where she learned it from. She didn't learn it from me. But she'll get on the floor, uh, and she'll just, well, she learned it from Sing 2. That's what she learned it from. There's a scene in Sing 2 where... The girls doing break dancing and she'll just break dance and she'll be like what do you think dad is that good i'm like yeah that's great like how'd you learn that and so we we got her in this dinosaur dance camp and so uh i've, I've been trying to kind of use the summer as a way to say like anything you want to try just say it i'll try to facilitate it so you can grow so we could you know at the end of the summer we could be like look all the things i experienced you know some were good some were not so good but yeah, I've I've tried to use this summer as a way to say, all right, I think it's time to, you know, get y'all out there, be more independent. So I hope that the people listening are thinking, wow, I want to do a summer of independence. <laughs> maybe for my kids, but maybe I want to do that for me too. I mean, really, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah, just go do, try something different. Yeah, for sure. So, so tell us about something that you have done where you started and you were completely unaware and then you just figured out the process because you said, I want to grow. Wow. So I, I have my shirt on because this is the story. So James Scott Apparel, um, the, the audience can't see it, but I'm wearing my, my T-shirt. So about, mm, it's probably about seven years ago, my friend Ryan, good friend from college, my one of my best buds, he was like, man, Fenric, we got we to gotta try to do something there's a, a need and so we, we both went to university of indianapolis and we thought there was a need for a certain type of t-shirts apparel uh than what they had currently so we went through the process you know did research he's a marketing guy the brilliant marketing guy has his own business and we were like all right let's figure out who's the market what are we doing and then we honestly went from doing shirts for our school to this church for anything we just want to do different shirts and so that whole process of like, why t-shirts? And then it was like, all right, we'll do t-shirts. That's, that's good. Something you could put on, you could wear, you could take people around. And then after doing the research, um, getting a little bit more familiar and even to the, the details of, okay, what kind of fabric do we want? We don't want hundred percent cotton. We want this thing called a tri-blend. So it's cotton, polyester and rayon. Why do you want that? Okay. It has a little bit more give. It's very, very soft on your skin. Uh, all right, let's do V-neck. We don't do like the scoop necks. Everyone's doing scoop necks. Let's do V-neck, a little bit more professional. You could dress it up, dress it down. 
Um, and then the detail I loved the most was the ink that we used. So we used this thing called a water-based ink, and it was eco-friendly. And the best part of it, it, it didn't crack and peel like a, another ink called Plastisol. And so this shirt is like seven years old, and it still looks pretty legit. Like it looks good. It doesn't crack much, and so it it wears really well. And so. I remember, you know, say, all right, we got the plan, we got the shirt, we got the ink, we got some designs. We went and just started selling them. And so once again, he's a marketing guy, so we would talk to people. And I remember, you know, going to an event saying, hey, buy our T-shirts. They're great. Uh, they're, pla- they're not plastic, all the water ink. And you'd say the price, and they'd say, uh, I just want a cotton T-shirt. You know, why is your shirt more expensive? But I told you, because that's tri-blend, and it's water-based inks, and it's V-neck. And then what I learned over time is that nobody really cared about the the materials. They wanted to hear about the story. And so I remember telling them, okay, the story is me and my bud, we started this company because we wanted a better T-shirt. And then I remember creating a T-shirt that was called Indianapolis Island. That was my favorite T-shirt of all time. And people say, I don't get it. Indianapolis Island, where that concept come from? I'm like, well, I'm from the Bahamas. And so... I think I look at Indianapolis as if it was an island because people always call it a big little city, but it's because you can go to Indianapolis and you'll say, oh, I know Amy, I know Sam. Oh, I know Fenric, he's from the Bahamas, right? And so it literally felt like being on an island because Indianapolis is small enough that people just kind of, you know, cross each other's paths. And so after I started understanding the story behind the shirt, the shirts sold themselves because it was like, I wasn't telling anybody about the Plastisol or the water base. It was like, this is a story behind the shirt. Even the name, James Scott Apparel, I'm like, oh, the story is because I'm Fenric James and he's Ryan Scott. So we took our last names and we said, that sounded like a really premium brand. Let's go James Scott Apparel. So that was the, and then we started getting confident and we did the Yelp Bazaar, which is like the biggest vendor thing um, every year at Christmas. And there was, thousands of people there and it was just you, you, you just saw the growth and you saw the confidence building over time but it was just that process of saying okay all right i tried this way didn't work hey, if i tell them a story i saw more shirts okay let's keep building upon that and so that was like the coolest thing for me just to kind of and like i say i give a lot of credit to my friend ryan he kind of helped me through that process of you know going from nothing with t-shirts to you know, having a lot of success. Wow. Okay. I am just sitting here with my mouth open because I totally did not know that story at all. I love it that you're wearing the t-shirt. Can, can people go get the t-shirts now? Well, so the t-shirt uh, company is no longer there. Um, okay. We, yeah, we, we, we uh, closed it up probably when my son was three years old. And the reason why, honestly, was because uh, when my son was three, I had a epiphany, right? I was like, I'm selling t-shirts. I'm going out every weekend, every couple of nights selling shirts. And I remember clear as day, it was like God was telling me like, all right, you can keep doing this and be successful uh, or you can spend time with your son. And I was like, huh. And it was clear as day, like, I'll make you successful. You can keep doing that, but it's going to be at a, a you know parallel of spending that quality time with your son. I remember Tyler Ryan, I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta take a step back and I gotta spend time with my son, you know, and he was, I respect that. He understood. And I, I don't regret it because 
I understood that that was a formative years. And my wife, actually, at the time, she's an amazing person because, once again, I'm a dreamer. So I always got these ideas of things I want to do, and she always supports me. I remember when I told her that um, I was decided not to do the T-shirt thing and just spend more time at home. She's like, thank you so much. She was like, I, I was really feeling it a little bit, but I didn't want to, like, say, Fenric, you know, can you not do it? Because I know that was your dream. I know you wanted to do that. And so for her, it was the answer to prayer. Because in her mind, she was like, he's just not being able to connect with his son because he's out doing this thing. And so she was very grateful. And I was like, all right, I made the right decision. So, yeah, maybe it'll start again at some point. But uh, the season of my life, uh, one of the most important things is to be a amazing father to my children. So that's that's where my focus is at. Wow. And, I mean, I'm listening to this thinking that is such maturity and growth too, to say, it's not all about, Oh, I'm going to make all this money doing this cool shirt thing, which it sounds amazing, but you, you still have that story. You still have the story <laughs> and you still have all the growth that it produced in you because Correct. of doing it. Like nobody can take that from you. Absolutely. So, so incredible. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I'm really, I'm just sitting here thinking, no idea. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to talk offline more about that. Like, so good, so good. All right. So, if you think now about where you are with your personal growth, what are what are you doing? I mean, there's got to be something just from what you said right there. It's like that. Yeah. That's not the end of the story. No, I mean, uh, it's funny because I I feel the uh, for lack of better, the labor pains. Uh, of growth happening now because uh, work is, is is tough right now. There's a lot of things happening. And then, you know, once again, at home, I want to be an amazing father. I don't want to, I don't, I don't be a good father. I want to be a, I, I literally remember writing down maybe two years ago in a book, I want to be an amazing father. I want to be an amazing husband. Like, I don't want to settle for, for just good. Good is fine. But I think my, my children, my my spouse deserves amazing. So what does that mean? You know, that means looking at things, even though I have a lot of dreams, always putting it from the perspective of, will this take away from me being an amazing father? And that's my barometer right now. So I have to, when people ask me to do certain things, I have to say no, because I'm like, that's going to take away from this thing over here. That's the main thing. Um, but I mean, I, I started a LLC um, my, I always try to do things around a certain period in time so I can remember. So my daughter was born on July 7th, four years ago. <clears throat> I started LLC. I wanted to do agile project management and coaching and consulting and all that stuff. Uh, I, I, I had one client, uh, actually in my alma mater, I was helping out as a professor with get a marketing class and I was helping them with how to do agile project management for their course. Um, and since then, I've kind of, you know, the pandemic happened and I, I, I'm, I'm still waiting for the right opportunity. So it's, it's still there. And literally every morning that I there is still there. And so I know it's something like I sometimes wish I could get rid of it, like be like, all right, I don't want to do that. But every morning I wake up, it is still there saying like, all right, what are you going to do with this today? And then maybe I don't do anything. And then it's the next one. I like, oh, what are you going to do with this? I'm like, uh, so, uh, 
I still am trying to understand. I'm, I'm praying, asking God, like, what, what do you want me to do with that thing? Because it doesn't want to let me go. Um, my daughter's going to be five, like I said, in a week from now. And so that's a constant reminder. I think I, I get introspective during special occasions, and I think about growth. So New Year's, you know, the, the, the resolution thing, birthdays, anniversaries, I always kind of go introspective and say, all right, where am I right now? I try to take a self-assessment of myself. I think I'm very, I'm very practical with myself. I don't, um, I won't say sugarcoat. I'm, I'm pretty honest with myself where I am. Um, and that's okay. Um, I'll ask my wife on our anniversary or my birthday. I'm like, Hey, what can I do differently? Like we've been married for 16 years. Like what is one thing that probably bothers you that I could do differently? And one day she was like, you could just put your shoes away. Like, that would be great. Like, put your shoes away. And I'm like, I could do that. Like, that's that's easy. You know, like, that's not hard at all. And then one of the she was like, if you did the dishes every once in a while, that'd be awesome. I'm like, because she's like, I cook and I do dishes. I'm like, you're right. Like, I could totally do that. And one time she was like, make the bed, you know. And I'm like, well, make the bed. Why? Like, we're going to sleep in it. But I'm like, okay, okay, okay. If, if. If making the bed is okay for you, like that's I could do that. So I'm always trying to think like how do I make her life easier? Um I, I remember during the pandemic. So I learned a lot through the pandemic. I mean, I I think out of you know the pandemic is one thing that I hope people took the time and if they haven't, maybe they can take the time and they're listening to this to sit down and write down what they learned. I had to do that. And so literally to this day, if I meet a new person, one of my opening lines to them is like, hey, you went through a pandemic. I went through a pandemic. What did you learn from it? And I've gotten some really interesting answers because I'm very interested in what people have learned. And sometimes they're like, I didn't learn anything. But in their mind, when I ask them a question, they're like, hold on. So I'm like, this is something that literally affected everybody on the earth at the same time. Yes. Like, how is that possible? That, that that only happens every, what, once in a generation, they say? So, like, it has to be, it, it didn't happen in one region or the other. It happened everywhere. So, I'm like, if you're in the Bahamas or you're in Europe or you're in Indiana or Alabama, like, wh- what was that for you? Because I want to know because I want to learn from you in some situations. I think that's that's also a part of my growth is I, I, I've learned from people. I don't have to do everything. I'm not one of those people that, have to experience everything. I sometimes look at somebody and say, hmm, I would do that differently. And I'll make a conscious effort to do it differently and say, huh, that, that didn't, that experience didn't seem like a pleasurable experience. Like I'll do that differently if I had to do that. And so I won't do it. And then if the circumstance come my way, I'll say, I'll, I remember what that happened to that person. I'll do it differently. And so, um, during the pandemic, I remember asking my son an honest question. I remember listening to um, Rick Warren's podcast, mm-hmm. and he was like, what did he say? He was like, it's all about how you make people feel. Everything else is subsequential. So he said, if you want to know how people feel, ask them, hey, when you think about me, what's the first thing that comes to mind? So I went to my son. My daughter wasn't born yet. And I was like, I was like Daniel, when you think about daddy, what comes to mind? And he said, sad. I was like, really? I was like, okay, why? And he was like, well, I sometimes think you a little bit hard on me. And he just explained really clearly some things that made him sad. And I was like, 
Okay. All right. That's he, he's a very he's a very had a, a tremendous emotional intelligence, my son. And so he can communicate experiences and, and his feelings very well. And so I took it to heart. And I remember during the pandemic thinking to myself, we're in the same house, we're working together. How do I build it so that our relationship is better? So I remember reading a book called Grace-Based Parenting. I remember reading the Dobson book about strong-willed children. And I was like, I think my children are strong-willed, but I think they need grace. Let me try to use some of the stuff I learned to have a better experience with them. And I remember just talking to him and listening to him, giving him more of capacity to like say, I'm, I don't feel good about stuff. And instead of you know doing the man thing of like, hey, stop crying, suck it up, move on. Let him, let him feel the way he feels, you know, and say, all right, we all feel this way. Um, and one thing I've learned about parenting that's been illuminating for me is that I take parenting as almost like a mirror image with my relationship with God. So it's almost like, just like how God wants the best for us, I want the best for my children. And so sometimes when he does stuff, I'm like, well, I, he, when he makes a mistake, I'm like, well, I make a mistake too. I make it all the time. God doesn't punish me for everything or discipline me. So I'm like, I got to show him grace. I can't just always, you know. So I remember two years afterward asking the same question. I was like, son, when you think about me, what do you feel? And he was like, I feel happy. And I was like, ah, okay, we made progress. And I mean, honestly, the pandemic was a situation where I learned about my son or my daughter when she was born, my wife. I have a better understanding of what she had to go through during the three to four hour uh, every day with my children, which would text <laughs> me and be like, you're on your way home? And I'll be like, why are you, why are you texting me? I'm, I'm at work, you know? But three to four is when they're at their most hyper. And she's hoping that I get home soon to relieve her, right? So <laughs> I, I, I got a better understanding of what she had to go through. So it was such a... A difficult time obviously but it was such growth for our little family because we were there and i was aware and i was like all right let's make let's make the best of the situation let's let's not waste this difficult time and come out on the other side and just be like oh that was strange it was a pandemic and man that i had to learn from it i had to grow from it and i think what you said right there at the end i was there and I was aware because everybody was there. Right. Everyone's there. Yep. But if you weren't aware and if you weren't paying attention to, wow, what what could I be learning from this? Right. You you like I say, you go through it, but you didn't grow through it. But you yeah. grew yeah. through it because you were paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. That's I hope everybody got that little nugget right there. Oh my gosh, so many <laughs> things you just said. I'm like, oh, I can ask about this, I can ask about that. But I do have to go back to when you said. Uh, that you had written down, I want to be an amazing husband and father. And I, I like, I just want to encourage and affirm you a for having the thought, but B for writing it down and then C for acting on it and asking those questions of your wife. Like what a beautiful thing. And, and your son too. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel grateful. I mean, I, I never take for granted. I have this wrist thing on my hand that says blessed. Um, I, and this is the part where I, I sometimes get emotional because I, I understand where I came from. Um, 
like I say, from a small island. I, in my mind, I consider myself a simple island boy. Like I am very straightforward. I literally can live off homemade coconut bread from Annie Eva's house and coconut water. Like you put me on a beach with those two things, I'm good. I'm very content. And to see where I am now in a different country with a family, with a sportsman that loves me, uh, I have had people say the most like affirming things to me. These are the things that people have said that when you when you die, they say that your funeral. Right. And I feel grateful when people tell me that. Um, I I remember my mother came in town about a year ago, and at my church, like we're walking through the church. You know, I've been in that church for ten years. Love my church, and people were stopping my mother and saying, "We love your son. He's a good man." And uh, for my mother to hear that, like, I understand people who have to say that. Like, I get it. We live in a society where people are about the self and about me and, and my brand or whatever. So for someone to take the time uh, to stop my mother and be like, we love your son. He's a good person. Um, you know, and they were doing it over and over and over uh, unsolicited. And my mother was able to hear that. And then we went to a parade in our neighborhood for something. I think it was homecoming. And uh, one of our friends sat down and she talked to my mother and she she said similar things. And for me to hear that, I'm like, man, I'm I'm grateful. I'm blessed because I, I understand where it came from. And I understand that yeah, these, these are things that people don't have to say. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very blessed. Well, and I will just tell all of our listeners, um, and when you were talking about that, it made me think of this. Um, Sam's mom passed away last fall. And at that time, Sam and you were working together. And we're at her memorial service and we look out and there's Fenric. I said to Sam, hey, where this was or when it was. And to this day, we really don't know how you found out about it. But I will tell you, that is something that he and I will remember forever that you took the time and somehow found out when it was and where it was and showed up to support a coworker that you didn't have to do that. But, mm. oh, my word, I just, that meant so much. So wherever it came from within you, deep within you, it comes out in beautiful ways. I, I have to give credit to just, I, I, I try to have a quiet time with God and I pray and I try to listen. And I try to, whatever I feel like he tells me to do, I try to do it. And so um, that was one of those moments when it was just clear as day, like, hey, you need to go to Sam's mother's funeral. Um, and I, I tried to be obedient. I mean, today, for example, it was, hey, go talk to your neighbor, Jill. And I know, you know, Jill is a quiet lady, very kind. And so I text her, I'm like, hey, we haven't talked in, I feel like, months. I'm like, do you want to talk? She was like, okay. And then I went over and I talked and she was like, are you coming over to tell me you're moving? Because I don't want you to move. I don't like change. I'm like, no, no, we're not moving. And she's like, I love you too. I love your family. Like, I hope you don't moving. I'm like, no, I just wanted to talk to you. So uh, I, I, whatever I, like I say, I have my quiet time, whatever I feel like God's telling me to do for that day or that moment, I'm like, all right, I hear you. Uh, I'll go do it. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for what you said. I, I, I got to give that, that, um, back to God for just saying like, Hey, go do that. So, well, and I'll tell you that part of why that's such a beautiful thing is 
I think sometimes God speaks to people and they're like, yeah, yeah, if I get around to it, but <laughs> you, like, you listened and then you acted on it. So, oh my gosh, I, I love that so, so much. Um, so tell a little bit about the story of your raised bed garden, because that was something, and I may have even mentioned this either in one of my emails or something about, yes. you sent me a picture I did. I did. about how this whole thing, this idea came to have you on the podcast. So yeah, just tell that story. So uh, it, it came from a, a a place of a little bit of envy, I guess. So my father-in-law has these two raised beds, and they're, they're great. He's a he's a master gardener in my in my eyes. He, he always gives us like seedlings or some tomatoes every year, and we have a community garden in the area by one of the churches that he manages with some other men, and we put stuff there. But we have our little plot in the back. Um, the rabbits mostly eat it. We're cool with that. I love rabbits. But I was like, you know what? I, I need to step my game up and build one of these raised beds because they're beautiful. And he, he has the detailed plans, which I need to send you yes. um, uh, to do it. So I was like, hey, this is a win-win. I can work with my father-in-law, his name is Jim, and we could do this raised bed. Little did I know how difficult this thing was going to be. Like, I thought this was going to be a one-day Bada bing, bada boom, done. It ended up being like maybe two weeks. And then, you know, he's older, so he couldn't help me as much as I thought I could be helped. So he kind of helped me with, you know, measuring and cutting and et cetera, and getting supplies from Menards. Um, but I remember this Saturday, uh, and it was literally, I, I, I was like, all right, when, I, when I'm working on something, I like to put my headphones in, listen to a podcast, I just do it. My wife will. She knows if I'm cleaning dishes or cleaning the house because I'll have my AirPods in and I'll be like, I'm doing something. And she'll be like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yep, I'm cleaning. I'm doing something. So I went outside. My children were inside. My wife's inside. And I literally hear you, Amy, talk about growth and talk about, like, you can do it. It's hard. And I'm like, this is hard. Like, I feel like this is a complicated thing. And you were talking about, I think it was the, the episode on um, – uh, Maxwell and his like, a second in command and how he had to kind of keep speaking to get better at every conference or something like that. And I was just like, it was almost fueling me because I was like, all right, let me, let me get the screws in the wood. Let me get the blocks up. Let's see what happens, you know? And little by little, I just thought I'd come into play. I put the thing in. It was uneven. I had to dig some stuff under the ground, make the board even. And then the next thing I know, after listening to one of your episodes, I'm like, yo, I'm finished. Like, what happened? Like, how did that happen? And it was, it was such a great thing because usually I think in my head, I would overthink it. Mm-hmm. And I would make it very difficult. I'll be like, oh, man, this ain't going to work. And I would overthink it. But for some reason, you like kind of literally coach me up, you know, like literally coach me up. And I was able to get it together. Then the last part, I actually have to come out and help me lift the top part and put it on. And I'm like, look at this. And then when you said, you should send a picture, I'm like, I will send you a picture, Amy, because I feel like you helped me finish that. It went from being a frustrating thing that I saw on the back of the yard for about two weeks to one Saturday, just putting those podcasts in and listening to you and just kind of coach me through it. So. Thank you very much for that. Oh my gosh. Well, and that's so that's one of those examples of when you're doing things that have 
you know, something related to growth. You don't even know how it might impact other people because I certainly didn't know that you'd be listening <laughs> to that episode as you're trying to put together the raised bed garden. But yeah. even just that example of you had the pieces, you had a little bit of help, but it wasn't a, it wasn't this straight, easy line. Like no. you, you know, you tried, you failed, you tried again. It took you longer than you thought, which Absolutely. is such yes. a lesson that, oh my golly, does that happen when you're growing? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, but but then to get to the end and say, wow, I worked through, you know, I worked through the messy middle of, I don't know exactly what I'm doing. And <laughs> here's what I produced on the other end. Totally. So, so great. So, I mean, you have given us some amazing examples of growth and why it matters and how it <clears throat> comes to be. Why do you think people don't prioritize their growth? Uh, so, I, I hmm. It's hard, right? I think that's it's hard, um, and I and I get it. Like <clears throat> to so going back to like I said, for me, when I think about growth, I have to take an honest assessment of where I am. And and one of your one of your recent episodes talking about how sometimes people are ahead of you, right? And how that's okay. That assessment of like, all right, I'm a product owner. But there's three other product owners in the same company that are better than me and having to swallow hard and be like, yo, I, I realize I'm not as good as them. Um, so I think a lot of times if you if you're honest with yourself, sometimes that scares you away from taking the process. Right. Because, I mean, a, a good example, one of those and this is a true story. So one of the people that I know that's really good at the job I'm currently doing. I went to them and I was like, I need your guidance on how to get better at this. You do a great job of working with the customer, working with the developers. You know, you're able to kind of ask really good questions. I need to get, I, I know, like, once again, I have a really honest assessment of things I could do better. I could do better asking questions. Um, I can do better of communicating because sometimes when a person says, I don't understand what that means, then I didn't communicate it well, you know, so. I asked them and they gave me good advice. They asked good questions, which they do. And so <clears throat> it takes humility, right? I had to go to the person that I know was better than me and say like, you're better than me at this. Can you help me get better? And good thing that we're good friends. So the, the advice wasn't taken the wrong way. Um, and she's always very, kind and candid and we, we laughed about it. So it was easy to take that information and use it. Um, at the same token, that's how I've always kind of lived my life. I always try to, like I say, observe if I can and see how people do things. I've done it with the other product owner. I remember going on one of those customer calls and what she would do really well is that we all get emails, right? And we got tons of emails. What she would do on the call with the customer is she'd be like, hey, customer, I sent you an email yesterday. I need a decision. And she would say it on this weekly call. And then the customer would be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Um, let me let me get that email for you. And I listened there, and I'm like, that's how you get the answers. So when, I, when it was my turn for the call, we did like a round robin update. I'd be like, hey, customer, I sent you an email. I need a decision. They'll be like, oh, okay. And then they would answer it. So I learned from her just listening on the call that, you know, everyone gets emails. Do you have their attention? Mm -hmm. If you want them to answer a specific email, say, yeah, I sent this one. I need a response. And then they are your captive audience. They answer it. And so 
Um, you have to be able to, like I say, be honest with yourself, with humility, come to the table and say, I need help. I need to grow. How can I grow? And I think a lot of times when people, and once again, maybe the, once again, I'm very blessed that I have a very affirming environment. You know, I have a lot of nucleus of people that support me. So uh, even when my, my feelings of, you know, not being good enough are there, I always have a baseline that I'm worth it. So I'm not, I'm not going into a, a, a dark place. I always have a value proposition that I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good at relationships. I might not be good yet at this thing or yet at this thing, but I got some things that I think I'm, I, I bring to the table so I can just improve from there. It's not starting from ground level. It's something from maybe here and I can go up. So, so listening to you, I'm so struck by having the humility to say, uh, wow, they're better than I am. I want to get better. Then the willingness to go ask for the help. And then also what you said about that, your own um, self-assessment that, you know, I don't have to be perfect or great at everything. I I am worthy right where I am and because of who I am. So you don't have to beat yourself up, but all of those things in tandem I mean, yeah, you have to have those if you really are going to live in that that growth world, so to speak. Because if you let if you let the idea that well, I don't need to learn, or I've got it all figured out, or I don't want to ask anybody, like you're not going to grow because exactly. And I think the I think being in the Bahamas helps me with that. Um, Because once again, I the the culture of the Bahamas and it might have changed since I've left, but it, it hasn't. I just been there last year. The culture is always about you know, growth and helping. Once again, we're all family. We're all in it together. Um, I think that served me well because um, I understand individualism. I have no problem with it. But for me, that community and and knowing that someone has your best interest at heart is amazing because, like I said, just, you know, anything you need, yeah, we're going to help you. We're going to do anything we can do to help you. We're going to make your experience we know you're home only for a couple of days, whatever you need. We're going to try to smooth it out for you. And you would do the same for us. You know, if they came to America, I'm going to do everything I can. to. I, I always remember my mother came in town um, and she needed some some literature. And she, she does um, grief counseling in the Bahamas. And she was like, well, you know, I feel like God wanted me to do this, but I had no materials. And so she came, and it was the first time I think my mother needed me for something. Mm-hmm. And uh, all my life, she's taking care of me, right? Like all my life, all my life. And I asked her, I was like, "What do you need? Like, what what's important to you?" And she said, "Well, this grief counseling thing is important." And I remember talking to Ken Jones in our church, who does grief counseling, and I was like, "Hey, can you would you mind meeting my mother?" And we went out and we talked and. Matt, and I was like, hey, do you have any materials I can get? He pointed me to somebody in Florida. I reached out to them, and they were like, hey, if you don't have the money for it, we'll give it to you for free. You know, like, and so they send literally boxes and boxes of material. And my mother looked at me, and she was like, I can't believe it, Fenwick. I, I literally told you, like, a few days ago, I needed help with this. And then you went and found me help, and here we are with like CDs and box of things that I can go back home and help other people with grief counseling. And so I felt so happy 
I mean, I felt that that endorphin, that rush of like service because once again, I don't, I can't recall in my adult life where I've done something for my mother that she really needed help with. And maybe other things, but that was that was a that was a moment for me because I was just like, I'm I'm just happy to do it. Like I've never felt that you needed my help, and so for you to be able to say, I came here and now you got me what I need. I can go home. I was that was the best feeling ever. So you can add to that list. Um, I am an amazing son because that's. <laughs> I want to. I want to be amazing at all of them. I really. Oh do. wow! Well, yeah. you're you're doing it. You are doing um, it. I, I, like I said, I, I I am I am tremendously blessed. Like um, I, I think I haven't had a ton of difficult things in my life, and I always wondered why. You know, people had a, a harder road than I did, but over time I understood. I think God wanted me to be and a place I could listen, that I could help, you know? So maybe I don't have all the baggage that other people, so that allows me to listen. You know, my favorite scripture is, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to, slow to anger, James 1 and 19. So as I've grown older, I've understood that, okay, you know, the reason why you're the way you are is for a purpose. So um, I'm able to sometimes, when someone says they need help, and one of my, I think my my ultimate purpose in life is to bring out the best in people. Um, so anytime I hear someone say something, I'm like, all right, I hear what they said. I'm listening. How could I bring out the best in this situation? What do they need to bring out the best in them? That brings me joy. So, yeah. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, talk about living a life on purpose. That is, that is a beautiful example right there. Uh, this could go on and on. So I'll just have to say, we'll probably have to have you back because... <laughs> Just you're thinking there's so many other things that I'm sure I don't even know about you that could be so inspiring to other people. So just tuck that away as we are wrapping this up. I do want to give you an opportunity to like share anything else about growth or a tip for somebody or anything at all that I haven't asked you that you just feel on your heart you want to share and go for it. Ah, oh, that's a good question. Um, I think we've we've, we've said. A lot of things. Um, I don't know. I, I think the only the only tip that comes to mind is it's kind of going back to what we talked about earlier about just the the awareness, the humility, um, the desire to to want to help others. I think I think the service. So I heard this from uh, another podcast I listen to sometimes, uh, like uh, Simon Sinek, uh -huh. who, who's the guy that came up with the the why um, start with why. He says there's a lot of, what did he say? He said there was a lot of self-help books, but not help others books in the world. And I, I, I was like, interesting. Um, and then Rick Warren always says, hurt people hurt people, you know? And I always think about that as well. So there's a lot of people who have things that are going on in their life, um, difficult things. And so I always try to think, how can I serve people? You know, Jesus served people. He was the greatest, right? And he served people. So he's a great example for what what I can do. So uh, I guess my only tip would be like, when you get in a situation where maybe growth is hard and you're waiting for that growth to happen, what I've learned is that you're better served by serving people <laughs> during that period. Because that waiting period is important. That has to happen. It always has a waiting period. Every great person that's gone through a process has, has had waiting. So while you're waiting, you know, maybe instead of 
twiddling your thumbs, like go find someone to serve or someone to help. Because I think a lot of times when you do that, then you like, ah, that, that kind of comes back to you tenfold and that helps with the growth. So that'd be my, my tip, I guess. That is a beautiful way to end it. You are better served by serving <laughs> people. Benrick, my friend, thank <laughs> you. We will do this again. This is awesome. Okay, this is one of those moments when I really wish I could have a one-on-one conversation with every single person who just listened to this and ask you, oh my gosh, what stood out to you? There were just so many things that made me pick up my pen. The summer of independence idea for his kids, how he uses what'd you learn from the pandemic as an opening line with people. That very specific example of how he learned from someone at work who is better than he is. And I loved how he wrapped it up with that beautiful reminder that growth is a process. And while you're in it, you are better served by serving people. If you'd be willing to share with me what stood out to you, hop over to my Instagram account at Amy Barge Living Large and send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. And you know what? This episode today is proof, once again, that growth takes you places you never imagined. Because I did not have it in my awareness when I first had this idea for a podcast that I would ever have a man as a guest. Because I didn't know if men would listen to my podcast or if they'd be willing and interested in sharing their growth story live with me on my podcast. Uh, Clearly, I was wrong on both counts. And I'm glad I was because this was an experience I know I want to repeat. Thanks for listening today. I'm really grateful that you did. And I encourage you, like it, share it, leave me a rating or a review. That would be amazing. Until next week, I am amazingly yours, growing on purpose. Here's your great big woohoo for completing another episode of the Growing with Amy podcast. I want to encourage you, let something you heard nudge something you'll do. And until next time, remember, to be going somewhere, you've got to be growing somewhere. Bye for now.